Welcome to Chip Chat, an interview series that connects you with technology experts around the issues that industry is focused on today. And now your host, Allison Klein. Welcome to Chip Chat. My name is Allison Klein. Today I'm joined by frequent guest Dylan Larson. Welcome, Dylan. Thanks, Allison. Great to be here. So, Dylan, today is an exciting day. We have launched a new Xeon platform, and, and you're here to tell us all about it. Why don't you kick it off? Sure, yeah. We're going to be launching the what we call the Grantly platform internally, the Haswell microprocessor, but uh, the Xeon E52600 uh, V3 product family. So, yeah, we're, we're excited. It's going to be you know, the next uh, generation two-socket server product uh, that's going to be our big new uh, introduction to the market. It seems like we were just on ChipChat talking about the previous generation product. Um, can you tell us what is the process by which Intel delivers products in this cadence and and um, what specifically is represented with this product family in terms of addressing the wide variety of data center requirements? We've been kind of this this consistent, repeatable drumbeat. You've heard it recalled the TikTok model in the past where we have a new microarchitecture that brings a whole bunch of new product capabilities to the market. And then we also have a tick, which is that uh, process shrink where we move to the next generation process. And then that repeatable process gives us the ability to continue to drive more and more capability for customers, but also to build um, on the economics of our fab network by bringing process generation innovation, which reduce the, the cost and give us a little bit of opportunity to drive even more uh, capability for from the, the performance vectors that we need. And if we kind of just stay you know, almost maniacally focused around how do we maintain this consistent drumbeat. And it's about, and it's a longer lead time thing. There's, there's process generation work that's ongoing to build the next generation process technologies. And there's also a longer lead time design around how they design this micro microarchitecture, what capabilities it's gonna do. And then that's just the design and of the, the kind of core CPU activity. But then there's a whole work of going through how our customers, the OEMs, and the end users begin to be prepared to adopt this next generation technology and moving through building a new platform, a new server design from the OEM's perspective, or a new software enabling capabilities from the ecosystem's perspective. So all of this kind of culminates into what will be, you know, this 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 great launch that we have to, to bring these things together. But the, the, the process has to do with how do we kind of bring those next sets of capabilities that satisfy user demands to market on this repeatable drumbeat. When we look at these products, you know, a lot of the historic attention on Xeon has been focused in, in servers, but Xeon does a lot more than just provide compute capability to server platforms. Um, it addresses storage and network as well. Can you talk a little bit about the, the various products within this family um, that deliver, you know, unique capabilities uh, for these uh, important platforms. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that that's one of the parts I think you're going to see in this launcher that is going to be all about the the commitment to not just the server architecture, which is obviously incredibly important to our business, but also storage market and the networking market. And you're you'll see over time, and especially in this product life, lifetime, you're going to see kind of much more integration of these kinds of new capabilities that service those uh, discrete segments very, very effectively. So, for example, taking the next generation microprocessor, this Haswell product, and bringing it to the storage environment, you get 
the ability to take the, the bring the economics of the IA ecosystem to the storage architecture and be able to kind of deliver storage in new ways, whether it's going into large SAN environments, IA plays well there, but also in these new distributed storage models where you would see the storage architecture kind of fan out across multiple end node devices that all have drives attached to them and put software to work in different ways. One of the things we've been working on in the with, with the storage customers is around this sets of libraries to provide storage acceleration capabilities to optimize drivers, optimize the core processing capabilities like deduplication or erasure codes on IA architecture so that you can begin to bring some of these mission critical level capabilities to these highly economic scale out storage models. Likewise, in networking, you're going to see Haswell bring great benefits to the networking infrastructure designs where we have put to work additional software capability with that product line in the DPDK, which is the data plane development kit. And the whole idea there is how do I provide the ability to have very, very fast packet movement within this, the system without the addition of, of ASICs that are required by um, some high throughput uh, routing and switching architectures and utilize much more of the compute capability of IA to, put, to do that packet forwarding work. And with optimizations in software and innovation we've done within the microprocessor, we've been able to get these tremendous improvements in the kind of networking throughput that you would expect uh, out of large-scale switching and routing architectures. How does the strategy in terms of delivering unique capabilities for compute, storage, and network relate uh, to Intel's vision uh, for software-defined infrastructure? It's a great, it's a great question. I, I think the, the thing that we've looked a lot at is everybody wants to move to a more you know, flexible arch architecture for the way to deploy their data centers because services are king. And deploying new services within your data center to your internal customers, whether you're a cloud providing them on a public scale or, or within your own data center in the enterprise, it is about sort of optimizing the the ability to deliver these services as economically as possible. And what we've what we've done is we said, what can we do within the CPU architecture, within these platform architectures, to kind of make those processes even more effective and even more um, economical? And one of the things that you'll see us talk a lot about is this idea of instrumentation to service to service orchestration layers, and orchestration being the, the pieces that define how a, a new service gets deployed internally, whether it's a virtual machine instance or other service characteristics, being able to have better understanding or insight into how the hardware works um, and, and the characteristics of the hardware as it delivers the, the services uh, can play a big role in improving the service level or the efficiencies. We've talked a lot about this concept of cache quality of service and helping to address the, quote, noisy neighbor problem. And the, the idea there was this noisy neighbor thing wasn't anything new. As long as we've had large-scale virtual machine deployment on, on systems, you have invariably cer certain virtual machines that require more resources than others. And what we thought about was what could we do from the microarchitecture micro perspective, and this started several years ago, to kind of build better understanding or context with, with how those VMs were, were running in, in these operations inside the data center. And what we found was there were a couple relatively straightforward things we could do to build understanding of how the, the virtual machine was using cache accesses, which became the best indicator of, of usage of, uh, of workload requirement for that VM. 
And we built some capability that we're bringing into um, the Haswell microarchitecture to be able to actually get monitoring it capable to understand exactly how that virtual machine is, is using the cache so that you could make decisions about um, a noisy neighbor or about a, a workload that might want to be moved to a system that was less heav heavily or more heavily utilized or a system that um, was just having impacts from their ability to deliver high service quality because of a noisy neighbor. And, and it's kind of a, a, a simple concept, but without the hardware context and, the, and our ability to kind of project that northbound to interfaces such as OpenStack to actually take action, it would be an area that we would just marvel at the problem. But now we can actually help end customers and software community take action on this kind of response. When you take a look at some of the news that Intel has made recently um, in the data center space, there's been talk about um, Xeon plus FPGA. There's been talk about uh, unique SKUs um, for data analytics uh, with some work with Oracle. What would you characterize as the counterpoint that this represents in terms of really delivering a data center workhorse in terms of the E5 product line? And how do those two things fit together? In, in many ways, the, the class of customers that we service are getting even more sophisticated. And I think that as we see these very, very large-scale deployments of a search workload, for example, in a public cloud, or very large-scale deployments of large numbers of virtual machines in an infrastructure-as-a-service type of environment, what we find is that their understanding of their workload, the understanding their, of their data center infrastructure is so acute that they come to us with even more specialization kinds of requests. And I think if you look at the, the Oracle example, it was kind of well-publicized as well, the, the idea that Oracle knew of kind of a, a dual modality they wanted to service in their products. And that, and that put them into a position to say, um, Intel, what can you do to help us service both high core counts for maximum throughput and at the same time, lower core counts with much higher frequencies so that I can service these two parts of the, the product lifecycle or the service lifecycle that my customers want to enable. So we kind of go back and, and we looked at what we could do to, to kind of build a product that would be able to meet both of those characteristics and service them, them better. That said, that is, is kind of a, a, there's a high dependency on software innovation and capability that, that Oracle also had to build in to make that thing real. Um, at the same time, if you look at the counterpoint to your, to your uh, comment, you, you find a way that, that the broad scale is going to be a highly economical way of delivering maximum capability and, and performance to, to the broad market. But I do think you'll find that there'll be an area where there'll be a, a very sophisticated understanding of a workload that will benefit from some of these alternative capabilities. But I think the broad market is still going to be heavily focused on maximizing the output of, of the mainline products and capabilities. It just won't get as much press or excitement maybe because it's, it's the drumbeat, as, as we kind of talked about before, of more and more innovation and capability coming across this sort of general purpose product families that are coming through. But I think there's, there's just an economic argument that both we have to, to, to weigh as, as Intel sort of strives to be very, very customer-centric and, and very much learning from our, our customers' expectations of new capabilities, as well as um, what is viable for us to build on, on a broad scale and, and make the most sense. So I think there's, and there's an economic argument for the customers as well, which says they have to, if they're going to look at alternative architectures like an FPGA, it, they'll have to see 
you know, orders of magnitude better performance to be able to make it make sense for them to make software investments to drive that change. So I think that you're still going to see those things happen, but I don't think it's going to be as widespread as maybe some people think. But I do think it will be those areas where the customer is so sophisticated and has such deep understanding of their workload, they'll look at what ways that they can maximize that capability. At the same time, the drumbeat, as I said before, will continue. And we'll see you know, our TikTok model continuing to drive a pace of innovation that, that has proven over time to eclipse um, the, the economics of, of moving to something that is more specialized. And, and I think that it'll be, a, it'll be a business case play that I think on both sides people have to evaluate. I have one final question for you. We've got a bunch of interviews coming up today with a slew of partners that are delivering systems based on this new product. Um, what is it like to work with the ecosystem on delivery, and you know, how, does, how do they build upon that to provide differentiated solutions to the market? There's sometimes an expectation that you know, a server is a server, and I think that's just categorically wrong. I think what we find is that each OEM, each um, system integrator, each you know, large-scale cloud deployment, they all have a, a different sort of point of view and a different focus area on where they want to optimize their value proposition and their offer to their customers. And I, and I think that it's, it's great to, to kind of dig in one step deeper and see where um, one particular customer is really, really strong and how they bring manageability capabilities to their platforms and designs. Another might be very, very strong at delivering sort of the best economic value for very large cloud-scale deployments. Another may look at um, a, a way of, of bringing sort of a broader set of assets to the table. So they all have very discrete strategies, and, and they have you know, very distinct uh, offerings to the market, which I think is, is pretty exciting. And, and I think the, the cool thing about it is, is, is as they've continued to drive you know, their products and capabilities going forward, you know, they are also coming to us with things that we can do to help them optimize for their particular product architectures, whether it's the, the Oracle example that we, um, that we used or other things that would come to play around more density or higher performance for certain segments or um, scale-up types of capabilities or, or benefiting from some of our software investments to move their products forward, like in the telecommunications space. So all of those things, I, I think, are really, really um, exciting. There's a way more... In, industry innovation in this segment that I think people sometimes give credit to. Dylan, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for taking some time out of your very busy schedule. Congratulations on the launch. Great. Thank you so much, Allison. Visit ChipChat online at intel.com slash chipchat. And for more information on data center technologies, visit intel.com slash bigdata, intel.com slash cloud, and intel.com slash data center optimization.